Hear the word of the Lord from Galatians 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness of which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You are running a good who cut into you and kept you from keeping the truth. That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who called you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty wherever he may be. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. This is the word of the Lord. The book of Galatians has a weird tone. It's kind of like Paul's angry letter. Okay, imagine like an angry dad writing his kids and he's writing to kind of rebuke them for what they're doing. Paul basically went to Galatia and, and he brought the gospel. And when these people became Christians, Paul kind of continued on in the rest of his missionary journeys. And after Paul left, these other preachers came in with a different gospel. So Paul's like, somewhere else in the Roman Empire and hears that these people that he loves and has led to Christ have now kind of started looking at a different gospel and following that gospel. The book of Galatians is basically a defense, a protection of the true gospel. There's a line from Galatians that Jackie read for us and it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit yourselves again to a yoke of slavery. So when I read that line, the question I ask is, what type of slavery is Paul talking about here? Well, when you follow the argument after that line, he starts talking about don't rely on the law. Don't put too much faith in circumcision. Don't put too much trust in trying to be like the Jews, you Gentiles. It was not a slavery to sin that they were struggling with. Galatians was not written to call people out of sin. They were enslaved to good things. It's a book written about freedom from putting too much emphasis on the good things. So we get this progression from the book of Galatians. It's kind of out here on these signs. Um, it starts on the left there. It starts with this idea of, of knowing God. 
Okay, so, so I encounter God. My path intersects with the path of God. And as I begin to know God and know who he is, I begin to discover the character of God. And many of you could have walked in this room and named off characteristics of God from off the top of your head. God's all-knowing. God is good. God is faithful. Yes, but when you discover the character of God, it's in your heart. And when you discover the character of God, your heart begins to put down roots into God's character. Those roots are called trust. And because you have trust and you've learned to anchor yourself in God's character and depend on his character, when God promises you something, it means something to you. The promises of God hold your attention. They hold weight for you. Why? Because you've developed trust. So when God promises you that your status before him is a child of God and a new creation, you don't struggle believing that. You have rest in that. Some people estimate that in the 1700s, somewhere between 35,000 and 50,000 Africans were kidnapped by English sailors every year. And these English sailors would sail them across the ocean and would then sell them as slaves. In those days, people were making the equivalent today of billions of dollars off of the slave trade. People said nobody's ever going to abolish slavery in the West. It's impossible. It's totally impossible. Why? Because society was too founded upon it. The whole concept of how society ran in England, in the whole West, was based on the slave trade. So into that context, into that time, was born this young man in England. And this young man was wealthy. He was born to a family of privilege, and he basically had things the way he wanted them his whole life. He was careless, frivolous. All he wanted to do was to have fun. But this young man was very gifted with people. He had this attractive personality that could win people over to him. So this young man in the 1700s finds himself turning 21 years old and he has everything that a young person would ever want. He's rich, he's completed university, he has a seat in parliament. He has power, influence, wealth, everything you'd want. And he looks at his life and says, my life is empty. What's wrong? The gospel intersects his life. Step one. He starts to know God. He accepts Christ as his savior. Some of you know this guy by the name William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce gathers to himself a team of lawyers and doctors, and pastors, and says, what if God has called us to fight slavery? Over the course of 16 years, this team presents nine different bills in Parliament. Wilberforce gives his health, his reputation, everything he has to get this passed. And finally, in 1807, British Parliament abolishes Slavery. Because when a people are enslaved, God raises up a deliverer. 
He did it with Moses. He did it with William Wilberforce. And he's doing it with Paul. When you get this wrong, the end result is slavery. So for some reason, if I don't get to truly know God, if my relationship with God is lacking, what results is I'm not deeply anchored in the character of God. As a result of that, my trust is partially formed. That's a problem. Why? Try to do anything significant in the kingdom of God with partially formed trust in God. It won't happen. Why? Because when the promises of God are important and you need to lean on them, they won't be powerful to you because you didn't form trust. You're not anchored in his character. The promises of God might sound good when it's summit time or when Paul is in Galatia preaching to them, but when you're on your own and you have to decide, what am I putting my trust in? It's not going to work. So what do you do? You start saying, what can I do to make sure my status with God is okay? I start relying on the law circumcision, the ways of the Jews. I think that some of us in our status with God are living in slavery. And I'm not talking about slavery to sin. This is not formed in a worship service. Okay, you me to tell you that again? Your heart does not have time to put down roots into the character of God in a single worship service. You don't do that over summit. It takes time. And it takes long, hard work to get to know God. And I'm gonna be honest with you, we're really bad at this in the American church. Why? Because we're so about efficiency and speed. Let's just speed this up. Let's just make it quicker. Hey, pastors, can you microwave intimacy with God for us? No, that's my biggest fear for you at IWOO is you are handed familiarity with the gospel, but you're not handed intimacy with God. Why not? Because nobody can hand you that. I can't hand you that. The chapel department cannot hand you that. You have to choose it. You have to. And if you dare to become familiar with the gospel and not intimate with Jesus, you will leave Iwu cynical. Because you know everything there is to know about God and your heart never put down roots into the character of God. Good luck. Some of us who are studying ministry, people like me in the church, owe you an apology. Because we're so tempted to please you. We want to give you what you want. So we sometimes, sometimes try to microwave intimacy with God for you. And we've become great as pastors at producing great emotional worship experiences. But are we making disciples?
When I was a senior here, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do after graduation. Some of you can relate to that. And I felt really impressed by the Lord to do something kind of different. I graduated, didn't look for a job, and moved home with my parents. And I sought God. I felt like God wanted me to stay in my room at home and spend a lot of time in prayer. And I'm going to be real honest with you. This season was really weird for me. I was kind of a weird person in this season. I spent a lot of time alone. Um, I just didn't really care about a whole lot. Um, I would have churches call me, offer me a job. I would say, I just don't feel like I can accept that right now. And I was in what I would call a season of seeking. And a season of seeking is where you look at your life and you look at this progression and say, knowing God is too important to put on the back burner right now. It's too important. I need to actually cancel some other responsibilities in my life to put that first. If some of you in this room don't do that, this is not going to happen. Okay? A season of seeking is not for everyone, but I think it's for some people. It's where you take a period of time, two weeks, a month, two years. That's what it was for me. And you put responsibilities on the back burner and you just seek to know God. Warning. If you try that, the enemy will do anything he can to get you to step out of that sooner than you're supposed to. Okay? It's just like Jesus in the desert. He wants to take Jesus out of the desert temptation too quickly. Why? Because in the desert, you have time for your heart to form trust. I can remember so many days where I would get on a website and start looking for jobs, pastoral jobs, because I wanted some type of position and I had no peace in my heart. God was saying, Garrett, you know I've called you just to know me right now. God may call some of you into a season of seeking. And he's inviting you into the first step of newfound freedom in him. This semester, our theme for chapel is the way of God. So you have speakers coming to you this semester talking to you about what spiritual disciplines can you do to walk in God's will for your life. And some of you might be sitting here thinking, that doesn't make sense. So we're here all semester long learning what I can do, right? Effort I can expend, but you're telling me, Garrett, not to rely too much on good things for my status with God. Here's the deal, guys. You never work for this. Jesus worked for this. Jesus did this on the cross. Your status with God, how God sees you, uh-uh. It's already done if you're a Christian. This is in cement. It cannot be moved. It is here. But I worked so stinking hard for this. To know God. If you are working hard for your status before God, you're enslaved and you're in legalism. That's a problem. If you're working hard to know God, you're a disciplined Christian. Can you see the distinction? You have to see that. Don't you dare take this semester all these messages about the way of God and say, I've got to do more work, do more work in my status with God. No. False. Rest. Rest, because God has promised you're a son of God, a daughter of God. You can trust him because of that, because you know his character. But you need to work for this. 
Get in the word, pray, discipline yourself, work, make it happen. I think the word of the Lord for us this morning is freedom. That's the word I got for our campus today. But freedom, not just from sin. I think you hear about that a lot, and that's good. Freedom is so much more than that. Step in to the freedom of knowing God because where the Spirit of the Lord is, where you are intersecting your path with God, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom in your status with God. Let's walk in that this semester. Would you stand up with me? We're going to take a moment and uh, pray together. So what's going to happen is uh, Jackie's going to come on out and uh, Michelle's going to come on out. And um, I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. And here's the thing. I don't know what area of your life God might be calling you into freedom. This message is not about freedom from sin, but it might be that for you. Maybe you're hearing you say, no, no, it is freedom in my status with God. I want you to take a second and close your eyes and ask the Lord this question. Lord, how do you want to set me free today? Just take a second, just in this moment, ask the Lord that. Lord, how do you want to set me free today? Spirit of the living God, you're welcome in this place. Do you guys agree with that? Spirit of the living God, you're welcome in this place. Spirit of freedom. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for a very acute discernment on all our parts of how you're calling us into freedom. If you feel like the Lord has laid something on your heart, you say, yeah, there's an area of freedom God is calling me into. Would you just raise your hand? Okay, just raise your hand. This between you and the Lord. Raise your hand for a second. Hold up for a second. Okay, this is what I want. Keep your hands up. Could you, um, if you're standing near somebody with a raised hand, would you just reach out a hand toward them? Maybe you're close enough to touch them. That's awesome. If not, just put out a hand toward them. But go and gather around somebody with their hand raised. Go ahead and do that. Gather around somebody with their hand raised. If there's somebody near you who's not, somebody's not praying with them, go ahead and reach your hand over there, okay? Okay, this is what we do. We're the body of Christ, right? So the Spirit rests upon us. So we're going to pray together just that the Lord would release whatever freedom he's trying to bring about in their lives, whatever that is, okay? So Jackie's going to lead us in prayer. And as she does that, would you go ahead and pray in your group just out loud however you feel led, all right? Father, we come to you with humble hearts. We come to you with thanksgiving and praise for you are the Lord of lords and you are the king of kings. We come to know what trust is in you, Father. Trust that is real, that's tangible.
Father, we believe in the freedom that you give. Yes, God. We believe you do not just say, but we pray, God, that we walk into it today. Right now, God, the opportunity after opportunity will come and we'll let it pass. But today, in Jesus' name, I pray that we take hold of it, God, yes. as the body of church, that we grasp on to what freedom is, God, that you would show us that. That where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's not just a song that we sing, but that is real. That's your word, God. And the Holy Spirit is alive and awake in this room right now, Father. Right now, because you are here and you are present. Father, open our hearts to receive your freedom, God. I pray that when you call, we answer, God. And when you speak, we listen. Father, for you love us so deeply, so passionately, and you call us, you long for us to move into that freedom, that freedom is not just a one-step time or once a week or once a month, God, that it's every second of our days because we follow the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, today I pray as the body of church we receive. We receive today, God. God, I pray for a transformation of our hearts, God, that our roots for the first time, if that's the first time today, would be stepping in to something so new, God, that you would take us out of complacency and you would move us to where you have called us, for you have called us to be higher, God. Father, you reign, you reign and that doesn't end. It will never end. God, would you continue to move today, tomorrow, this weekend, next week. For we are your children and we will serve you. We are your servants and we say, here I, here I am, God. God, continue to move. Continue to move, Father. Father, right now, still, Father, the Spirit is still here. It does not leave. Would you continue to move, Father? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Father, we love you. We love you. And you tell us that those that love me will be known by me. You see us. You know exactly where we are exactly right now, face to face. Do come and have your way. We pray powerfully that your kingdom come and your will be done for you are coming soon, Father, and that day will be so glorious, Father. Prepare our hearts for then, Father. Prepare our hearts right now to grasp onto the freedom that you give us. You are our deliverer. And that is truth, and we hold on to that, Father. Yeah. We seek you, mm -hmm. and you are good to those who seek you, Father. We love you, Father, and we lift your name up for you get all the glory. Yeah. In Jesus' name we pray. Yeah. Amen.